Welcome to the Within WordPress podcast. With me today is Leslie. Now, Leslie, um, you get to introduce yourself very shortly, but um, you, I think, are a, a perfect example of somebody who wasn't into WordPress, and then all of a sudden you were everywhere where WordPress was. <laughs> well, um, how did that happen? So yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks, Gus. Really happy to be here. Um, thanks for inviting me. Well, how do I answer that question? Um, well, just start by introducing I guess I should yourself. Start with, yeah. Uh, I'm Leslie Sim. I live in Singapore. Um, and as we were just talking, it's kind of like a tropical place where it's always rainy and always sunny at the same time. Um, and we have lots of good food. I got I think I first heard about WordPress in, I want to say 2016, maybe. Yeah. Um, I was trying to build a website and it was the cheapest way to do it. So I kind of, that's kind of how I got started. And then um, over time, I uh, started a digital marketing agency and was building websites for clients. Um, and then in... 2019 and i'm giving you the long story by the way because yeah, that's uh, fine. We, prior... we got time we got time yeah okay cool um yeah so in 2019 just before covid i was starting to feel really burnt out by the agency and i decided to try my hand at plugins um because it seemed kind of interesting and fun and different uh, most importantly different from agency life and really bad yeah <laughs> um, so I did the unusual thing of kind of closing down the agency um, I kept one or two clients that I really liked um, but I kind of let the rest of them go and I went all in onto this into this plugin um, business and I met my co-founder who's a developer he had developed a membership plugin um, yeah. and he was looking for a business and marketing co-founder I think he was originally planning on doing it all himself and then he very quickly realized, oh, this is really hard. It's a lot also. And yeah. Um, and so, you know, we got in touch. We started working together on the membership plugin and it didn't go very far. It was um, really difficult. I was com completely new to uh, the product world, I would say. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even though my background is in marketing and advertising. It turns out that when you're trying to do something from scratch rather than work with, you know, multi-million or multi-billion dollar brands, the kind of work you do is very different. Um, the way you approach it is very different. And so um, all of, you know, my knowledge was not relevant, basically. And the membership plugin didn't go very far and we were planning on shutting it down. But then... Um, decided to pivot into newsletters because one of the add-ons that we had built for the membership plugin, you know, like this this is an example of like how little we knew, right? Like the plugin's not even doing well and we were building add-ons for a plugin that's not doing well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we made all the classic mistakes of overbuilding and under-marketing, not talking to enough customers. And so um, the we had built and and an add-on 
to connect Mailchimp to our membership plugin and send newsletters from um, WordPress. And I had been using that for my own personal newsletter. And I was sad to to um, see that feature die because I was using it and there wasn't an obvious replacement for it. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, you know, actually, if I was sad to let it go, but I'm not, I was definitely not sad to let the membership plugin go because there were so many different competitors that would, you know, that could do what we were already doing. Um, so I realized, you know, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's like a demand for this. And so we pivoted and Newsletter Glue was born. And we tried to do everything differently from like our failed um, membership plugin attempt. So yeah. we talked to way more customers from the start. Um, we launched very differently. Um, and I, for me, at least personally, I made talking to customers the priority, trying to figure out what they wanted, what, um, how they used the plugin, what they needed. Um, That was a big one for me. And that's incidentally also answers your question, kind of how I started appearing everywhere. (laughs) Um, Because I I was just trying to talk to as many people as possible. And yeah, 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 like build in For those listening, yeah, sorry. I was going to say, for for those listening, um, I'm mostly referring to uh, your presence on Twitter. I'm sure you're active in other uh, locations as well. But uh, it's just like all of a sudden, there you were. Um, and in terms of marketing uh, your product, you, you just you said that we you decided to do things everything differently than you did before. Um, I think you succeeded in terms of at least visibility, um, because that is the key. If if you're if you have a product to share and you're not you're not sharing it or um, the the thought processes that go into what feature do we go for and whatnot um, it's hard to be noticed because there's a lot of folks out there and and it, is there currently or was there a competitor in any way shape or form or were you really um, carving out a niche on uh, for your own I'd say Newspack is our closest competitor and even yeah. then you know, the newsletter side of things is their add-on, I would say, rather than the main yeah. focus of Newspack. Um, but yeah, in terms of what we do, I think they're the closest. Yeah. So that that means um, you have a niche and then it's mostly about other uh, WordPress users and newsletter users understanding your proposition. Yeah. What right. was the biggest challenge in that? Um. So, you come from a exactly exactly that actually yeah. so like uh people figuring out what what our value was yeah so um that's actually the second part i i would say of the newsletter glue story so the first part was you know us um relaunching figuring things out and building in public and doing things differently and mm-hmm. then you know very quickly we ran into the problem of we have too many types of users so we had um, people like me who are using the plugin for their individual, you know, personal newsletters. And then we had like really well. big, yeah, people like you as well. And then we had um, really big publishers who are using us with, you know, they, these are people or these are companies with a team, like a, um, like a, a newsletter team, like a team of employees whose job it is to send out the newsletters. And so you can yeah. imagine kind of the range of use cases and needs were insanely different. 
Um, and so the proposition for all of these different users was also very different. And um, we ran into a lot of problems trying to figure out who who do we serve, how do we serve, how do we serve them, you know, and these problems um, occurred across the entire business. So yeah. the marketing, the pricing, the sales, um, the product, the support, everything. Um, so the range of customers was too wide. Yeah. And and, and so. How- I was, I was curious, like, so, so there, there's a moment that you figure out that, yes, we're spread too thin across too many um, subsections of what our uh, ideal customer is. Uh, we have to redefine what our, our ideal customer is. How do you, how do you go about, because, um, you know, figuring out what is the specific segment I want to go to, because that must be a challenge because you have customers. You don't know where the largest potential is because that might be the type of customer you have the fewest of. Yeah. Um, I think it took like a year of very painful talking to different customers, um, taking risks, um, making MVPs to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we landed on working with medium to large publishers. So like uh, media companies, online magazines, newsrooms, um, organizations like that. Um, and the reason was, again, it comes back to the, I guess, the selling point and the proposition and what those customers needed. So new set of glue, which I'm realizing we never even talked about what it is. Um, it connects to your email service provider and allows you to build and send newsletters like you would a, a, a blog post or an article. So you open up the blog editor, you, you write your, your email newsletter, and then you send it out by hitting publish. And um, so for individuals who are writing a newsletter, a lot of them wanted us to just be a MailChimp replacement, right? So that they didn't have to use us plus a MailChimp or plus um, active campaign or plus mailer light. And so they were constantly asking us to build features like that. So, you know, like, can you just connect to a transactional email so that yeah. it's going to be much cheaper and you know, we can just use SendGrid or Mailgun and then we'll use you and, you know, and that's it. Um, so we had a lot of requests like that from that end of the uh, target customers. But then yeah. for the larger customers who are already you know, stuck with Active Campaign or MailChimp or whatever large email service provider they're using. They don't want to move out of that because like to move is going to be a three to six month project for them and probably cost a lot of money um, just in terms of the time it would take to move. And But at the same time, they had multiple newsletters that they're sending out every week and it's really painful to use, you know, for example, MailChimp to send out multiple newsletters to get writers and editors logging in and out of MailChimp to look at that same campaign. Um, it's well, not really... Experience. Yeah, exactly. And so that's where we come in. We're like, we sit perfectly in the middle of, you know, an active campaign or even a sale through um, and WordPress and that all the writers and editors who are already writing articles inside of WordPress every single day just go to a different part of WordPress and then write the newsletter. And, you know, for them, that's an amazing proposition. Um, 
and the price is also um you know not an issue at all, at all for them and so and that, and also it means that we don't have to build anything right because what we already have is exactly what they need yeah. in contrast the individual uh, bloggers and newsletter writers they wanted us to build pretty much a whole other system is, so you, is a sidecar acting up again or ah uh, no it's fine um okay cool so the um, my, I'm I'm kind of curious because uh, what you're saying is something very interesting. You're saying you already had the perfect uh, product. You were just not catering to the right crowd or marketing to the right crowd, I should say, because you had, I, I assume, customers in that crowd already at that time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So how how did you? Because that. Uh, that to me is a very interesting thing. Like, how do you figure out that that is the customer you want to go to and that that's what actually the most potential is? Yeah, it's really, really hard. It, like I said, it took us um, a year of talking, soul searching, figuring out. And also, like, for me at least, you know, as a founder, you're really close to your product. So you always think it's crappy yeah, because you can see all <laughs> the <laughs> issues with it and the bugs and everything. And so yeah. it took me a while to believe that we were ready to go after bigger customers. Um, sure. You know, that we were stable enough and all of that. Um, and, you know, it's like I say this, but then at the same time, even before we started going after those bigger customers, we already had really big customers using us who, you know, didn't have problems and are happy with our service. So it's, I, I think this is like the classic founder insecurity with the product. Yeah, um, would but, you would you say it's easier to get those types of clients now? Um, so for, I think for full so. reference, uh, what we're referring to here is you had started with newsletter glue, uh, you had a target defined, and then there was a moment in time where you decided um, it was smarter to focus on a, a subset of your uh, clientele, which is an upmarket move because the price it went up, mm -hmm. um, and your whole proposition, I guess. Uh, um, Communication you've done, your website, everything changes. Um, are you finding it easier to find the customers now? Is that, uh, is that the conclusion you can reach already, or are we just a little too short behind the decision? Um, I think we're still early. It's hard to say. The, the thing that happened for sure is that once we increased our prices, it um, cleared out everybody who was currently considering us at the time. Because everyone who was currently yeah. considering us was came in at a yeah. much lower price point. Um, but also it immediately um, got a handful of people who were considering us to get in touch immediately because suddenly we were exactly um, catering to them. So I think yeah. like those two things happened. But then the other the other big thing is also, you know, the sales cycle for much larger customers is much longer. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that's part of why it's kind of hard to say whether or not it's working. Um, you know, it, it's likely that we have a whole bunch of people who are considering us right now who are just talking about it internally. I've never heard from them yet. And it might be, you know, three months before they even get internal approvals yeah, to get say, in touch with me. Get on the vendor list. And, that, and that's the famous uh, three to nine months uh, processes you have to plow through. Yeah, so 
So that's an interesting, um, like, I, I, I like what you've done there because the, um, um, obviously I'm, uh, maybe not obviously, but uh, I'm, I'm one of the, uh, I think, earlier uses of Newsletter Blue. Yes. Um, and, it, and it was perfect for, for the setup that I had at the time. Um, and yeah, it's very convenient to be able to do that from within your WordPress uh, environment. It just makes a lot of sense. Um, I have uh, two other customers running the same setup, and for them, it solves the same problem. They're uh, they're not big budget customers, but they have complex setups. And it's interesting to see the problem that it solves. So, what I find fascinating is that even though there was clearly a match to that particular crowd. Uh, you were brave enough to say, no, there's a better match for us somewhere else. Uh, I, I admire that, that sort of move. Um, I think that for the, this is a long-winded way of coming to my question, but um, the majority of WordPress product owners are looking at WordPress from a, uh, I want to be as cost-effective price point in the back of their mind, which is, which is typically where WordPress comes from, right? The software is free. Yep. Um, you have to sort of wrestle to uh, uh, have them understand that your proposition is actually helping them in their process, if it's saving them money and, and, and all of that. Uh, and yes, you're asking good amount, decent amounts of money. Um, would you say that your late entry into WordPress is probably is beneficial there for you? Uh, I mean, that's really hard to say. I'm sure there were also lots of, maybe not lots, even now I don't see lots, but I'm sure there are also a, a large handful of plugins that cost a lot, um, they, like, you know, previously. I think, oh, and for, for context, um, so previously our lowest price was $99 a year. Um, and now our lowest yeah. price is $120 a month, which comes up to like uh, $1,440 a year. So that's yeah. kind of like um, the difference in price point. Uh, approximately, you know, one, uh, 10 times the price. Um, yeah, I think like, I said, like so, so a couple of, <laughs> um, yeah, I think also, so there, there are like so many things that, you know, th th this is a positioning thing. And, you know, when you position yourself, you have to change your pricing as well. Um, when you change up, when you update your positioning and, um, you know, for the larger customers that we are targeting, being too cheap is actually a problem for them because um, if you think about it, their entire team is working out of Newsletter Glue every day. Like literally every day. Um, you mm -hmm. have maybe like five people working out of Newsletter Glue every day. And if it's $99 a year, that's kind of scary to to rely on a $99 a year newsletter platform for, you know, your 100,000, 200,000 subscribers, if not more. Um, That's a very valid point. And so, you know, changing the price is ne isn't necessary. It's actually hurting us if we keep it low. So I think, like, that's an important thing to mention. Um, and I've forgotten your original question. <laughs> so the... I'm sorry. The, the lack of... Um... This is how WordPress does it, uh, price as high as you feel comfortable with, but definitely on the low end type of approach to pricing your, your, your product. Um, that has been going on ever since WordPress started becoming, um, 
more premium, which is around 2008. Uh, mm -hmm. That was the first premium themes. And then plugins started 2009, sort of really, really get going. Um, you entered into 2016, so that, that, that's already into a much more mature market. Um, yep. And my question was like, how, how much do you think that's been an influence that you weren't aware of where the origins came from? Like the, uh, the expectancy of having a low-ish? Uh, um, I, I don't think, I don't think I was completely unaware. I think I've actually done a pretty good job of like, I mean, decent job, especially in comparison to a lot of other people about like learning, learning about like WordPress's history and stuff like that. Cool. Um, um, and I, I think one of the things that I also um, did a pretty good job of is getting to know a lot of plugin founders yep. and kind of hearing their stories and learning how they did their pricing and their business and like set all of that kind of stuff up. Yep. Um, before I meet the pricing changes, the two people that I talked to were um, Natalie from Access Ally and um, Pete from Leaky Paywall. So the two of them have, I think, somewhat similar pricing. I think they're like 200 plus plus plus, close to 300 a month. Yep. Um, and they encouraged me to to go for it and, you know, see and yeah, and just like, yeah, pretty much go for it. And I think that's kind of what I did. Um, and I think like one thing also that I realized is that it, I don't really want to, like my customers don't identify as WordPress users. They identify as a writer or like a CEO of a publishing company yeah. or a product manager in a newsroom. And so they don't really think about like the history of WordPress pricing. They just care about what works for them. Yeah. And so since yeah. they don't care about it, then I don't have to care about it. I know. Yeah. Um, so honestly, I don't really get um, those like low-end um, large agency with 100, 500 um, customers trying to ask me like, why is your pricing like this? Don't you have a lifetime you know, license or discount? Stuff yeah. like I just I just don't get that because that's not who I cater to, um, and I'm really glad about it. I can I can imagine because it um one of the things that um disappears when you change your pricing uh, certainly uh, when you move up is that because there's a crowd now less interested in your product you also are losing a crowd which is uh, extremely high demanding. Um, even though they're on the bottom end of, of what your ideal customer would be. Have you noticed a big difference in support requests and such? Um, okay, actually, I, I said that I don't get it, but I, I guess I um, kind of maybe get some, like, occasionally you get people, like, ranting on Twitter saying, like, you're, like, stupidly expensive and stuff like that. Um, sure. But I just ignore it. Um, and when it comes to support, so that that's the other big thing. Um, I don't think the amount or the type of support problems has changed but now I feel good about just providing you know like 1000% excellent support to every single customer um, whereas previously pretty much the moment someone has um, has a support issue I'm like losing money on them like even for me to spend one mm -hmm. hour or two hours on on their ticket it's 
I've lost money on them because you know my time is worth more than ninety nine dollars an hour, and so if they are paying ninety nine dollars a year, I've just like you know lost money on them immediately. This is this and, is the mode where I say I'm sorry, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've sent in a support request probably took yeah, more I than mean, an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, but that, that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, you you become more motivated when when there's um, when your actual value is perceived as such. Yeah, exactly. Um, interesting. Yeah. So, different question. Um, in terms of understanding and, and diving into the WordPress uh, community, um, what is the thing that you are pleasantly surprised with? I didn't expect that, but hey, this is very nice that it also happened. Um. I, I'm not sure it's like a didn't expect thing, but one thing that I'm really, really thankful for is how helpful and um, open to sharing the WordPress yeah. community, especially like the business owners are. So, you know, like even right now, it's super easy for me to just DM, you know, one of the, like, you know, wh whatever like top 10, top 100 plugin companies out there and like, you know, message the the owner of the company and just be like, hey, how are you doing pricing? How are you thinking about um, this? And they're likely to just tell me the answer um, yeah. and like not think that I'm trying to steal anything from them or like do anything bad. You know, everyone's just kind of trying to help each other out. And likewise, you know, like people ask me all the time as well and I try my best to give them like super honest and upfront answers. And I think, um, again, like it's not really surprising necessarily but it's something that i really really appreciate and i don't think i see it in other communities necessarily i agree um i think that's probably for me also one of the earliest takeaways that i had um i started using wordpress professionally in 2006 yeah 2005 2006 but um so you quickly learn there's limits of what you know and um i had friends who were essentially jumping in into WordPress in the, at the same time. Uh, and some of them were way more already way more into code than I was. So I would have questions, right? So, but the funny thing is I could just ping them and they would be direct competitors with me. I've, sometimes I have even had where I, where, um, another company in my company were bidding for the same project. I got the project and then I had to ask them like, how I'm, I'm, I miss something here. Do you have an idea of how to solve this problem? And they would just happily provide me with that. And I, I've obviously I've done it. Uh, I've returned the favor many times as well. That interesting concept is, is like, I was like blown away that that works. Like, and then, but you know, it's part of the open source identity, I guess it's a part of the culture It's part of the understanding that I give and I take, but that's it, as long as there's a balance, um, it's a great thing to see in humanity, I would say, for me. It was yes. like, I come from a very different type of background. Um, it was high competition and there was absolutely zero sharing. Like they would actively try to hijack clients. Like, I'm sure, and I'm not saying that this doesn't happen in the WordPress community, but I'm, what I am saying is echoing exactly what you're saying. That was a very pleasant surprise. Um, like, why are we doing this? This is funny. This is, I didn't expect this. I mean, I, I, certainly at the time I did not expect this. 
Um, have, have you been in contact with open source communities other than WordPress? Not really. I guess I kind of, you know, um, grew up on the internet. So there was a lot of making friends with strangers on the internet type of thing. Yeah. I think that, that would be a great way to sum up, you know, yeah, no, how no. I how I grew up. And so that's why like for me, um, it wasn't like different or surprising or um uncomfortable. It was like, ah, cool, like I can just continue making friends on the internet in yeah, yeah. in WordPress. And that's something uh that I really like and it comes very naturally to well maybe not natural, but like I did it for like my whole life. So um yeah. it feels very comfortable. I, I, I come from the world uh, before the internet. Uh, I'm, I'm dating myself, but um, I'm also happy to share that I'll be turning 50 in, uh, in about a month. Ooh. Um, but the, uh, the world as I got to know it, um, the online world, um, and then specifically, but my first encounter with open source was actually Mumbo and Joomla. I did not find those communities welcoming at all. There was no fun. There was always, um, if you ask the question in the form, is for, it, the response came from like a high horse condescendingly like how would you even try to research that i'm like if i have to defend myself for that one every single time that's not fun um and then wordpress to me was a warm bath i would just ask a question and i would get like like close to tutorial type answers like wow <laughs> um yeah that was interesting but um yeah okay so you 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 have a slightly uh um i'm not going to hint at your age but you have a Slightly younger experience on the yeah, on, and I'm, I'm from the ICQ age. Oh well, I am too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so it was, it was very like you know talking to random strangers. Like I would I would be talking to random strangers, and they would become friends, and I would be talking to them every single day. Yeah, I've um, never met them in real life. They're like different countries, and yeah, um, yeah, I I don't know. I just love that like GeoCities and all of that. We're just like trying That's to figure out how to build websites, um, you know, together in GeoCities and. Yeah, so um, I think like to me, WordPress felt very similar. Yeah, I think, and and I think I I'd be curious to do a poll, and and ask people in the WordPress community, especially those who have been there for a longer time, um, like how active were they during the uh, ICQ and um, in that era? Um, like I, I think the number is fairly high. It feels like a similar vibe. You're right. Yeah. So, but then I then I have to ask the the, the kind of obligatory question. Um, what's a component that you like about the WordPress community? Is there uh, or project? Is there in particular that you do not like about either the project or the community? Oh, you're gonna get me in that trouble. That you feel comfortable sharing. <laughs> <laughs> um. And you can say I, pass I, if you don't. So it's fine. <laughs> I think the thing that I'll I'll say is. Um, I wish that the um, WordPress project um, was, the way that it's being built, I wish that it was more customer first um, or like, you know, from modern product management principles. And um, I, I don't want to go into too much detail, but, um, you know, with, 
modern software that's built. It's very, let's talk to the customer, find out what they need, and let's build from that starting point rather than like a more, um, uh, older way of building stuff, which is, oh, this technology is available now. Let's see what we can do with it. Mm. Or like from a top-down Steve Jobs kind of way where it's like um, Steve Jobs wants to build an iPhone, so I guess we're building an iPhone. But then like I, I say that, but apparently like Steve Jobs was very user-centric as well. So um, so maybe that's not a great example. Um, but yeah, I guess actually, I, I wish a, that. I think for as far as I know, it's, I, think, I think it's actually a good example because he was both top-down and user-centric. Um, mm, yeah. which, which my um, translation would be um, WordPress is user-centric. I'm just not sure which particular user. So the, the, the question kind of is, is, is um, are we fully aware of what the actual end user is in, in, inside of WordPress? And I don't think we are. Uh, not yeah. truly, which makes it very hard to cater for them. I know, kind of, maybe we're in the same type of crisis you were. <laughs> there's, a, yeah. there's, a, there's a big change in um, how it started and how it's going. You know the meme, right? Yeah. And how it started, just very simple, earnest beginnings. This is it's a fork and there's blog and then well, maybe add a few more custom uh, content types and, you know, kind of call it a day and start maturing it. But that didn't happen. So it then sort of slid into whatever, wh wh wherever we find ourselves. Um, yeah. I think that's a very valid uh, concern or um, position to have a level of critique on. Let me just very, very delicately uh, phrase it like that. <laughs> um, I'm kind of curious, be, before 2016, you said uh, you needed a website. What did you need a website for? Was that for your digital agency? Uh, I think so, yes. Yeah. So it was like the website that I wanted to build for my agency. Yeah. Yeah. And WordPress was the easiest way to do that. Yeah, it was. It was. It's, um, would it be the choice for you today if you started that, uh, like, I need a website now? What do, I, what do I do? Do I still look at WordPress? I need a website for my digital agency or I need a website for myself? Yeah, answer both, I guess. Um, I think for an agency, then yes, for sure. Because WordPress isn't just like a page builder, right? Um, it's... Oh, it also lets, you know, it's a content management system, right? And so it lets you uh, have articles and like really grow the website over time. And yep. I think um, right now there isn't a better way to have a website that scales with you um, that you can grow and maintain and add to it um, in the same way that you can with WordPress without having to worry about like running up against the limits of the system. Um, yep. like you would in a lot of other CMSs. Um, and at the same time, it's really easy to hire people who are very familiar with WordPress. And so you also never really have to worry about um, running into um, manpower issues, I guess, yep. if you're trying yep. to do that. 
So I think like those two things are really, really important. Um, but, uh, if I was doing it for myself, I would probably not use WordPress today. If I didn't know anything about WordPress and that was, and like Leslie from the, from the future is able to talk to Leslie from the past. Or, <laughs> yeah. or you know, you know, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I would advise myself not like if some if someone if a good friend wanted to build a personal website today, I would advise them not to use WordPress if they were just yeah. trying to do something like simple. Um, I think I'll probably ask them to use Card. Uh, yeah. C a r r d dot co. I think that's the most intuitive uh, website builder out there for yeah. for someone who just wants uh, a simple landing page to help people learn about themselves. Yeah, I think that's what I would use. But yeah, for sure, if it was a business, then WordPress all the way. Um, I don't think there's anything better when it comes to running your business. I, I would agree. Uh, I like that you uh, mentioned Card. Card is an interesting... Um, I, let me finish that uh, train of thought there. So the Card is a is a... Is a perfect solution for landing pages, right? So you, you, you configure based on a, on an existing template, you configure your personal landing page and you can actually add a few uh, pages here and there. So it's a, it's a light CMS almost, uh, but it's very intuitive to work with. And, uh, I was playing around with, um, some of the new site edit options we have to our availability now with the patterns and, and combination of patterns. And it kind of occurred to me, uh, like a week and a half ago. Um, we're very close to replicating card inside WordPress if we wanted to. Um, I think there's, if you, yeah, I would say if you really wanted to, you could build it in such a fashion that it almost feels as intuitive, but maybe, you know, with six, three impending, um, probably at six, four, six, five, the, the, the dashboard is a little bit more mature and you could bypass the normal admin, just only use the, the site editor admin. I think we're getting there. Um, just a brain fart on my part and the <laughs> card uh, triggered me to think about. Um, I have used card. Uh, in fact, I think I have two or three landing pages for, uh, for friends on it because it makes more sense. It was very straightforward. What they need, it doesn't make a lot of sense to spin up an entire WordPress site for that. Yeah. So you, you would advise against, huh? Interesting. Yeah. I think the, uh, so what is your, if we're looking at making things smarter for first time users of WordPress, what would, do you have any advice for that? Is that a, a thing you've considered or thinking about? Cause I can imagine that, uh, your, your crowd is already on WordPress, obviously. Yeah. Um, oh, different question. Sorry. Do you have any that find you that are not using WordPress at that moment and figure, yeah, I'm going to start using WordPress because it makes sense to do it in a system that is just not as bonkers as MailChimp or. I just had a sales call yesterday with someone like that. They were on Wix and they were planning to move onto WordPress um, and hoping to use us. Mm -hmm. And I said that there were two paths they can choose. One is to just use Beehive or Substack and yep. do that until they have um, gone far enough in their newsletter journey to know what they want, to be generating revenue, 
and then feel confident to move over to WordPress, which can then scale for them and allow them to do, have a lot more flexibility um, yep. in terms of, you know, like if they want to do memberships and subscriptions and like test all the different options, you can't do that with Beehive and Substack. It's like, you know, the five options they give you or the two options they give you is that's, that's all you have. Whereas yep. with WordPress, as long as you can imagine it, you can build it. Um, so that was option one. And option two was to say, you know what, I'm going all in. I'm going to build everything well from the start because I'm confident that this business is going to work. And if I do it well from the start, then I'm not going to have to deal with it in two years' time when I have to migrate 200,000 subscribers to a new system. And that's going to be painful. Um, And I actually have... Exactly. So I actually have um, customers who did that from day one. And um, the one customer I have in mind is doing really, really well now. Um, but I would say that she, you know, she was starting at a different level. She was already like an award-winning uh, reporter and stuff yeah. like that. So like she knew what she was doing and I think she was confident about generating revenue. So for her, you know, it wasn't like she's a beginner newsletter writer. Uh, but for the person that I was talking to yesterday, I said that, you know, those are your two options and neither one is better than the other. It just depends on where you're starting from. Um, but I did say to her, because she never really used WordPress before, that she should just... So I gave her um, the contact of one of the partners that we work a lot with, uh, Tyler from the Paywall Project. And for him, his is like a turnkey thing. He'll set up the site for you. He has yep. you know, multiple licenses of Newsletter Glue already. He has multiple licenses of Leaky Paywall already. And so you know you have a membership site from scratch from him. And you don't so even that, really have to learn everything. And so I think like that's kind of the way that I would advise people to get started on WordPress today. I don't think it would be a good idea unless it was like someone who's who likes tinkering. Um, and then it would be like, okay, be prepared to spend the next one or two years of your life tinkering with WordPress before you even feel comfortable. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. So if, if you're not that kind of person, then I would say just find someone you trust who's just going to do everything for you, handle your site maintenance for you, um, buy all the plugins for you, and you're just kind of logging in and writing your articles or logging in and doing whatever it is you need to do. Yeah. That's interesting because that, that almost sounds like a sassified version of Newsletter Glue. Like have everything, just spin up a new version and connect whatever you need to connecting. Uh, add it as a subdomain uh, to your site and, uh, and, and call it a day. Would, would you, would you, so if you look back at the, uh, one of the questions I asked earlier, what, what made you decide to, uh, to move in which way, like upscale or downscale in terms of uh, customers, you said one of the requests you got a lot was, um, I'd like to just use you uh, and connect with the transactional email, um, and just call it a day. Like I'm, that'll make me happy. How. Are you even considering looking into into that direction at all, or like, is that one of your future goals to grow in that to to that direction of actually becoming a full full fledged uh, newsletter provider? Um, we looked into it last year. We actually built an MVP for it, and I talked to a bunch of people uh, about what that's like, 
a bunch of people who either ran ESPs or used to work for ESPs. And ESP stands for? Seemed, oh, sorry, email service provider. Yep. Um, and the answer is that it's very, very scary to deal with deliverability. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, I, I think, I think um, the problem is that I know too much. So, you know, sometimes like as a founder, it's good to be a bit ignorant because then you don't realize sure. Sure. Um, how bad an idea it is. Yeah. Um, so, so as an example, I, I think Airbnb and Uber are actually really bad ideas. Like they have like horrible security problems, right? Like anyone yeah. can just get into an Uber. The Uber can be a murderer. They just kill you. Same thing yeah, for yeah. Airbnb. Yeah. Um, and like <laughs> they obviously didn't think about that when they started and it turned out to be a good thing for them. Um, and, but then like for me, like I know enough about email service providers and I was, and I know enough people to be able to talk to them. And so um, when I hear like how much you actually have to do to deal with all of these things, it was scary. And I'm at least at this point in time, not really willing to invest in it. Um, I think it would be like a low, like probably like one to $3 million investment to like get, get an ESP's deliverability to be like okay and include like all because like email service providers are a very mature um, niche right and so you have to be at least sure um, feature parity with like I don't know for example like 50 to 100 different features before people are even willing to consider you and then on top of that 50 to 100 you then also need like that one feature that nobody else has mm -hmm. um, that makes that makes them convert and so to get there is really, really hard. Um, yeah, that would yeah. require to build a dashboard. It's probably not even related to WordPress at, uh, at all. Um, quite, uh, quite a different big step. Yeah. I, so, I do like how you uh, subtly uh, compared yourself to uh, Airbnb and Uber, though. <laughs> no, I, Think, I, I that's not what I did. But... No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> I meant it more in jest in terms of uh, thinking big, um, which, which by the yeah, I think I think building are, an ESP would be a think big thing. Yeah, but it's, I, I, it does sound like you are thinking big in terms of um, there, there's a lot of product owners who just fell into a niche and then figured in sort of a happenstance way, like, okay, this is apparently what they like, and then let me just build that and continue to build on. And if there's a lot of people asking for a specific new feature, then I'm going to look into it and maybe add it to it. That doesn't sound like you. You sound like I figured out there's a gap. And as I'm building it, I'm also exploring different versions or variations of the theme and kind of work my way into understanding the market in the best way I can. Um, and thus build the, the best product I can possibly uh, have instead of possibly think of. Because those, those two, to me, are very different approaches, right? So you can build the pro best product you, you can think of, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best product you can have. Can you, can you expand on that a little bit? So you as a person or you as a company, you are limited to how you think in terms of what is your product. Uh, you can do interviews, you can be very elaborate about that, but ultimately it's mostly governed about how you think about a product and what particular um, position it is to have in the market, who is your target audience, all of that. 
So that's inside of your head or inside of the heads of everybody uh, working at the company. So that's a limited set. That is the next step is essentially figuring out um, beyond what the client thinks they need. So you, you end up with a more, um, I just want to build the best product that is possibly to be made in this particular uh, niche. And that is, that requires a very broad sense of understanding your own limitations as a developer, as a marketing person, as a uh, designer and all of that. So to me, the latter is, is way more interesting because um, you're not l letting yourself limit by um, any, any lack of knowledge in any field. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think I think that really resonates, um, and that's kind of how we we've been like since the repositioning. That's kind of how I've been approaching it. Like um, now that we know who our customers are, I I yeah. want to build like the best STEM newsletter solution for them. Well, it's, uh, my point was, it sounds like you are. So, it sounds like you have a good idea of what uh, what you understand, what you don't understand, and and you're building from what you understand to what you don't yet understand. And I think I like that. I like seeing that. It's a, it's at least from, from my point of view as a user, but also as a, uh, somebody who follows you on Twitter, it's interesting to see where your thoughts go. Cause you ask a lot of questions and I like that you, you got a lot of responses as well. And it's, it's again, people sharing very valuable information. And oftentimes, I mean, at least for me, if I look at the question at the answer, I can sort of figure out where you're question is coming from, but then the answers are never always 100% in the direction that you kind of hope for. And yet it is still very rewarding, uh, the type of answers you get. I, I like seeing that it's, it's, uh, uh, the whole build in public thing. Um, it's a hashtag, one of the few hashtags that I follow. It's just very interesting to see that whole move. And I think you do a great job at it. So a uh, long you. minute way of complimenting you, I guess, but, um, <laughs> I'll take the long uh, compliment. Yeah, 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 you should, you should. Um, it's, so maybe as last question then, um, what is, what is next for newsletter clue? Um, any big features you can share about or, um, any other types of plugins you're considering or looking at or investigating kind of curious what you see as a, in your immediate future. Um, so the two big things that we're building for this year, and again, like this is one of the cool things about being so tightly positioned. I can commit an entire year. I already know what I'm, we're building um, from yep. uh, for our roadmap. So the first, which we are now many months underway, is uh, we're rebuilding all um, all our blocks and all the call WordPress blocks to be yep. uh, we're just building our own and this lets us um, create a very what you see is what you get experience for the newsletter um, so like you know as a past customer of newsletter glue you'll, you'll know that like sometimes we our um, styling clashes with the site theme styling and you kind of have yeah. to um, mentally ignore that and know that the email is going to look different from what you see in the block editor when you're typing at the time. Yeah. Um, and I've always disliked that. And um, 
And so, you know, we've, we're now, I think, like four or five months into this project of rebuilding. So we have like our own text blocks, our own heading blocks, our own image blocks, our own columns. Everything is like we've rebuilt it from scratch. Um, and it's so much better now. Yeah, full control. Um, it's exactly what you see is what you get. We've also built mobile controls into it, which I've literally been waiting since the start of Gutenberg for that, for that to happen. And they, you know, they said that they're never going to do that. Um, but newsletters mm. work differently, right? You need the desktop and the mobile version. Absolutely. Um, and so we've built the mobile controls in now as well. So like, that's really, really cool. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we're excited to launch that. Um, it's very scary because it's going to break a lot of things because people have to basically just rebuild their entire templates to use the new blocks. The old yep. blocks will still be supported um, in that they don't, break visually on the front end but then you can't edit them anymore so everyone just has to move so that's mm -hmm. going to be very, very painful um, so that's the first big thing that we're building and that's going to be newsletter glue version 3 just because it's such a big um, yeah. change and then the second thing which and also that's going to reduce our support a lot which I'm excited about um, I get that, uh, I get that. yeah so that's a big change. And then the second big change, which is more valuable to customers, is going to be multiple newsletters. And this is more kind of like a looking at newsletter production from first principles kind of a thing. So something that's always irritated me a little bit about email service providers is that are email campaigns are, there's only one, I'm not sure how, to explain it like it's just one folder like it's just linear like even if you've got five different newsletters when you go when you log into MailChimp or ActiveCampaign or Send and Blue I, or yeah, whatever yeah. Yeah. Um, it's that. just that one um, one thing right but like actually newsletters are not like that there's there might be like five different brands and under each different brand there might be one or two different newsletters and so we want to ex um, create that experience for people inside of WordPress and that, you know, works a lot more kind of like um, posts with different categories, kind of. No, actually, let's, let's not go there. It's not really like that. Um, but basically, we want to be able to allow, you know, if I'm the writer and the editor for newsletter A, then we just look at newsletter A and we can create the brand from scratch for newsletter A. We can look at only the yep. newsletters from newsletter A. And then likewise for newsletter B, C, D, E. Um, and I think like that's going to be a really cool, very advanced experience for um, advanced newsrooms. And I'm really excited to, to launch that. That sounds cool. That really sounds cool because you're, you're essentially segmenting the one experience into multiple experiences. Yeah. And it, I you think it a... more directly reflects how people are working, actually. So it's like frustrating so this to me is something that like, you nobody learned. has felt that. Yeah, yeah this is something you learned uh, during interviews, I presume. Yeah, talking to customers, seeing how they work. Yeah. I get it. It makes sense. Um, I, th I said that's my last question, but I don't know if I'm, you know, I'm sure if I uh, give it time, there will be more questions. But I'm, 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 uh, I'm in thinking mode now in terms of, huh, that's interesting. Um, uh, interesting for me, uh, coming from an enterprise background, uh, I know these types of things are 
Um, like they'll, they'll never really say it unless you ask them, but these are the, exactly the types of solutions that, um, larger companies are looking for because it, it, it takes away pain points, right? So you've solved the problem of uh, them having to go into a complex, uh, environment, doing something relatively straightforward. Cause I don't, I don't think I know any, uh, email provider that just works other than I probably convert uh, kit is the one that stands out to me. It's the one I'm using now also. Uh, but the rest is just clunky as hell. Like, and I'm a, I'm a technical savvy uh, user, right? So, um, that's saying something in and of, in of itself, but, um, mm -hmm. to then solve that problem for the crowd that is, um, definitely not in the, um, very technical mindset. Um, yeah, yeah I think that's a smart move. I like it. Um, yeah, you're welcome. And, and, uh, I also want to thank you for appearing on the podcast it has uh, been my pleasure having you on. Um, I've learned a great deal. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for this. Yeah. It's been great having you here and you're a great host. Well, thank you. I, I try. I try. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>